0: Marcus Aurelius said, when you arise in the morning, think of what a privilege it is to be alive, to think, to enjoy, to love. And Carl Jung said, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. My guest today is Jamie Wheel, who is the author of the global bestseller and Pulitzer Prize-nominated Stealing Fire. He's the founder of the Flow Genome Project, an international organization dedicated to the research and training of human performance. And he's written a new book called Recapture the Rapture, Rethinking God, Sex, and Death in a World That's Lost Its Minds. And our conversation was so fascinating that I decided to split it in two parts. So make sure you check out for part two coming in a few days. And in this first episode, we discuss how to find meaning in your life today the different arcs we go through in life, how to have faith and deal with uncertainty, the difference between the meaning of life throughout history and where we're currently headed, and so much more. If you're enjoying this fascinating conversation, make sure to share it with someone that you think would be inspired as well. And a quick reminder, if this is your first time here, welcome. So glad you're here. Click the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or Spotify right now to stay up to date on the latest and greatest. And please leave us a rating and review with the most fascinating part of this interview over. On Apple Podcasts when you're done. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Jamie Wheel. Recent data shows that out of all the female-owned businesses, it is estimated that one in three is owned by a mom. Ever wonder how these amazing moms and dads find time to hire for their businesses while juggling their families? Well, they do it with ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free only at ZipRecruiter.com greatness. And CEO and founder Talia Goldstein is a mompreneur. Besides being a mother of two, her personalized matchmaking company, Three Day Rule, is constantly growing. And she needs to hire several matchmakers a month. So she uses ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology helps her find people with the right experience and then it actively invites them to apply. But Talia is not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address. Go to ZipRecruiter.com greatness. This special offer is only good at ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-A-T-N-E-S-S. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Time is precious and Expensify makes it easy for you to get paid back. Simply put, Expensify makes it easy to manage your expenses, bills, invoices, travel, and business or corporate card spend all in one place so you can focus your time elsewhere. Expensify is the most widely used expense management platform in the world with over 10 million users. Get rid of all the paper. Employees and end users don't have to worry about losing their receipts. Just take a picture as soon as you get it and then toss it. Better yet, link your credit card and they'll auto-match the receipt to the expense and submit the report for you automatically to your manager or controller etc. Admins use Expensify to digitally manage your company's money so you never forget a receipt, bill or invoice again. Managing employee expenses is easier than ever with the Expensify card. They're built for the small business, but strong enough to support the complexity that might be needed for companies of all sizes. Visit Expensify.com slash greatness to get started with a free trial. That's Expensify.com slash greatness. Welcome back everyone to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest, Jamie Wheels in the house. My man, good to see you brother. Very excited about this. You've got an amazing new book out that is going to transform lives and blow people's minds called recapture the rapture rethinking god sex and death in a world that's lost its mind why
1: have we lost our minds in the first place <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I think there's a lot of reasons um and they're all happening at once so basically the world has gone, the world has gone exponential and it is both getting exponentially better so, if you think of Steven Pinker, if you think of inspirational TED Talks, you can be like, hey, literacy's up, poverty's down, war is down, health is all these things are trending in the right direction. And you can honestly and authentically feel like this is the best of times. And then you open the paper and you see wildfires and floods and pandemics and social unrest and protest. And you think, oh my God, this is the worst of times. And toggling back and forth between that is crazy making, and because they're, because they're both exponential, it's damn near impossible oh to figure out exactly where we reside, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost as if there's sort of two arcs to life. I mean, I experienced this, I don't know if you do, but, but the difference, in fact, E.B. White, right, the guy who wrote Charlotte's Web, that old kid's book, he, he has this beautiful quote where he says, I wake up in the morning torn between uh, savoring the world and saving it. And that can make it hard to plan my days. Ooh. Right? And and then he says, and then I realized in fact that the savoring has to come first. The savoring? Yes, the savoring. Because because if I didn't have a world to savor, then there would be nothing worth saving. Right. right? The challenge is, the challenge is it seems like a lot of people
0: are in this, the world is ending, although it seems like with the media, the world is ending, how do I fix everything or save something? As opposed to how do I enjoy what I have right now?
1: Yeah. And that's the whole, you know, totally in the power of now. People say, "Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. being in time with causation—like what's happened in the past, what's happening now, what's happening next—that's super stressful." Or we get off, knocked off our center. So just be here now, Mm Ram Dass too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and and, and you're like, "Yeah, kind of." Like being present, super important. But we are, um, we are time traveling space monkeys. (laughs) We have (laughs) the ability to conceptualize past, present, future. And, you know, at a minimum, because we're 17 degrees off the axis of the sun, you know, unless you're at the equator, we have seasons,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: So that forced us to be thinking there's times of famine and there's times of feast. There's times of abundant photons from our nearest star and not so abundant chlorophyll and metabolism. So we have to plan, right? So if you just go cross-eyed and zen about it, it's inadequate to deal with linear times arrow, right? But if then if you forget to be present, right, then there's nothing to savor. So what do we need? Both? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, no surprise, right? It, but but it's, not, it's not a beige middle, mm. right? That's unsatisfying. It's much more like, you know, Hegel, right? The German philosopher, it's a dialectic. It's forever back and forth between the guardrails. And how do we dynamically steer based on what on earth is in front of us? What are we paying attention to and what needs to get done? So like hypothermic people don't make very good poets. Right. So you're like, okay, I might want to put on a jacket. Right? <laughs> right. I might want to rub two sticks together and get a fire going. Now I can have access to greater creativity or expense. So, you know, it, it feels like I didn't, to boil all that down, there's the sort of coming alive, uh, right, which is what we were all raised on. Anyone go up to be president or an astronaut mm-hmm. and sort of hashtag best life. Right. We all deserve to be healed, whole, and healthy. We deserve to travel the world. We deserve to have unique experiences. We deserve to have amazing soulmate, twin flame relationships, Mm -hmm. the whole bit. Right. And the entire baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, we were all raised on that. Right. And it's beautiful, uplifting, and inspiring. It's always been partial, and not everybody's even had access to that Mm -hmm. promise, but it's pretty awesome. And that's about expanding, you know, infinite time frames and expansion of possibilities. Right, so if like you were at a picnic at the beach, you'd be like, okay, what do we pack? What's going to be the most amazing lunch ever? What blanket do we take? Where do we lay it out for the mm-hmm. nicest view? Like, it's that's the coming alive arc. But then there is also, and you know, again, most folks through human history have had to wrestle with this. It's just the bubble kid, the bubble generations. You know, after World War II until lately, like say 2008, right? So so boomers, Xers, and and millennials, mm-hmm. who we really grew up in this historical anomaly in the developed West. It's never been never been nicer. You know, all war was externalized. Massive, insane upward t- upticks of consumerism, standards of living, right, education, right, right. cheap debt—you name it—all that great stuff—and and we're experiencing the intersection of like the staying alive arc, and the staying alive arc is the exact opposite. It it, it starts high and goes down across the chart, and and that's about the diminishing of timeframes and resources and options. So, Meaning we don't need to work as hard to stay alive. Well, no, 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 like 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 triage, like oh. So staying alive is you picnic at the beach. You're like, wait a second, all the oceans getting sucked out to sea. Wait, why are all the animals fleeing to higher ground? Like, what's that phone warning going on in my phone? Oh shit, it's a tsunami! Now what do we do with our day at the beach? So mm. the coming alive arc and the staying alive arc are like intersecting right about now. Mm. And you can lie in bed. I mean, I've had this experience. Interesting. I've had this experience like three or four times. So, so. the world is ending, and the world is the best it could ever yes. be at the same time. And what do I do with my day? How do I plan my day? Right. So I'll I'll be lying in bed, and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, that's such a phenomenal, you know, travel idea. I'd like to go. We'd like to go do something amazing, an adventure to plan, an entrepreneurial idea. A, a creative project. You're Run like, a book. Yay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. So inspired. I and mean, we're in a pandemic. I know you're like, oh shit. Do <laughs> we even get to? Right. Do we even get to? Or should we be doing canned goods and should I be researching getting solar panels on our roof? Or should we be fing <laughs> off to Costa Rica because right. the wheels are coming off right. Austin? Right. We've been right. without power for two weeks. That's crazy. So so that, <laughs> right? It's like Chinatown, like that Jack Nicholson thing with yeah. Faye. She's, she's my mother. She's my sister. She's my mother. She's my sister. It's that schizophrenic toggling between what is the frame or the lens that explains the data I'm experiencing and gives me clarified direction to act, right? And so that's a meaning crisis. So we're lacking meaning. Well, we have lost the the handrails or the, the trusted institutions Right. So we've had a collapse in Mm -hmm. both benign authority, like secular, so academic institutions, religion, corporate. Well, well, those that's divine authority. So we've got we've got benign authority on the side of like everything from your doctor, your friendly, white coated Mm -hmm. family doctor is the one who got your cousin hooked on OxyContin mm-hmm. and has your little son Billy pinballing off the walls on high industrial <laughs> strength amphetamines right. for his entire life. Or Adderall or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and Jordan Peterson and maybe you know, maybe your nervous spouse who's been pull-axed by benzos like clonopin, And you're like, wait, that, and that's called iatrogenic illness. And The mm-hmm. Lancet just published a study saying something like 21 million people worldwide suffer from iatrogenic illness, which is just fancy for your doctor f***ed up wow. and didn't admit it. So so you're like okay so we can't trust those guys um the academia education, yeah. academia with like you know the the Ivy League admissions scandals peer review crisis replication crisis in social sciences so you're like oh that stuff's not so trustworthy what about what about the ty- the captains of industry McKinsey and Goldman you know you you listen to the big short and you're like oh whoops Goldman was like selling credit default swaps out the front door and, and hedging it in the back door they they were totally implicated in the 1MDB Singapore mm-hmm. scandal Right. McKinsey was, was, was fined for partnering with Jacob Zuma in South Africa and siphoning seven the Gupta brothers and siphoning $7 billion out of the South African treasury and potentially collapsing Mandela's entire post-apartheid project. They just got clipped a month ago for, for conspiring with Purdue Pharma to help sell more OxyContin mm. after it was already determined. To be completely addictive and underpinning the opioid crisis, so you're like, wait, this is where the best and brightest from all the IVs go to get their internships, to get their, mm-hmm. you know, to go play the game. Yeah, and that's hollow. And you got the po- political side of things, politics, WHO, CDC, all these things. So you, you, you so eat, and and there's no more even Walter Cronkite or BBC Radio. It used to be like, oh, okay, world's crazy out there. Vietnam War, What's civil the rights, whatever source. Seven seven p.m. We all sit <laughs> down and 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 literally a. Sane, rational, voice of reason <laughs> who's a neutral arbiter of all things good, true, and beautiful mm-hmm. will sit down and tell us what's what. That's gone. Even snopes and fact-checking sites have become politicized. You go to the Journal's Record, like the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, they've become, they've got increasingly partisan editors, op-eds, boards, and readers. Mm-hmm. And no one recognizes or respects any information coming from out of those. So that's, that's always been a, a shorthand for what is considered consensus, opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's just been boom. And at the same time, we've had, <laughs> right? We've had the collapse in, in organized religion, yeah, right? So Pew Research Foundation, I think it was in 2015, but they, it hasn't, it's only been continuing, which was the rise of the nuns, so like N-O-N-E-S, the nun of the aboves, fastest growing and now for the first time ever, largest religious affiliation in North America. So it used to be you would always anchor off, you know, loosely or tightly, some family of faith, some family of origin, belief system and, and authority structure. And now it's none is what people are saying. N-O-N-E's, right? And so now, and, you know, and, and you've got the sexual abuse scandals, you've got a thousand and one things, undermining all of that, right? So, so what we're seeing is, as we've seen this collapse of the roof of shared meaning, we're in a vacuum mm-hmm. and we're getting fundamentalism on one side, and we're getting nihilism on the other side. Nihilism is like I believe in nothing. So, like t- Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. Right, like with middle, we're yeah. the middle children of history, man. You know that you know our our great war is a spiritual war. We were told we, we were told we were going to get to grow up to be presidents and rock stars, and we were not, and we're pissed. So screw it all. So screw it Make all. Make it our own game. Yeah. Yeah. One in three, one in three millennials surveyed within the last couple of years, believes that actually military rule would be preferable to democracy, right? And, and, Is that because they're seeking order or structure or some type of leadership? Well, I mean, there was a great piece in The Atlantic, and, um, and it was basically <laughs> saying, it's saying, look, this generation, um, they commit fewer crimes, they have less premarital sex, they, they drink less, potty less, they do all the bad things less, they go to sc- college in historic rates, they have historic amounts of student debt, they've done everything right, and they've been handed this steaming shitbag of society and ecology. And you say, so no wonder the kids want to say, burn it all down. Mm. So you're like, okay, so that's that's the lie of the land. And and at the same time, you know, back to the picnic on the beach during the tsunami thing, our spidey senses are all a tingle. Right? Uh, everybody knows that business as usual and not just the old narratives but the old structures are cracking and as a result on a sort of primal animal level everybody's hopped up and wound up about what do we do now and so the question is is you know you would think or hope like okay and we were talking about this earlier right like in times of great crisis, we rally and whether this is FDR and the the only thing we have to fear is fear itself or you have Winston Churchill and never, ever, ever give up and, you know, keep calm and carry on. Like, and in the beginning of COVID, right, people started trotting those out. Like, is this going to be another one of those? Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, maybe no. Oh, no, oh, no, not, (laughs) not at all. So at a time when a, you know, a meta crisis, meaning it's not just one thing, it's everything, right? It's economic, it's political, it's geopolitical, it's ecological. Health. Right, it, it, it's all of the things, all at once. Intersecting, overlapping, and catalyzing. Oh man, right? it's, a, it's lot. a lot of trauma that's being built up in every human being around the world. It's an awful lot, and, and, and I actually, um, funnily enough, it was, it was Tim Ferriss that inspired this. He had put out in one of his newsletters a TED talk that he said made him cry. Right. And I was like, oh, great. Let me check it out. Like, like it moved the fella. I'm curious, too. Um, and it was that Sam, I think his name is Sam Berners. He's a he's a little bald headed kid mm. who had a congenital mm-hmm. condition from birth. And he basically knew he wasn't long for this world. And, and he, then he gave this totally bad. And he was all of like 65 pounds soaking wet. But he became a Boy Scout. And he wanted to play in the marching mm. band. And he told bad puns and made hip hop jokes. And I mean, it's just an awesome just one of those testaments to life through tragedy, mm-hmm. right? And, and I watched that like four days before I had to give a talk at a futures conference in Austin. And I just tore up my speech and I was like, okay. And this was right when there had been some of those really, you know, like the, the UN reports for 2020 of saying, hey, we got 10 years, folks. Otherwise, this is a wheels off situation, right? So I really thought long and hard about it and tried to come up with a 15 minute Talk. that right. addressed this, <laughs> right? And and right. where's the where's where's the path for courage? Where's the path for hope? All this stuff. Gave the talk, and it was the opener. It was the opening keynote, and it went over like a lead balloon. It was. This was all crypto, psychedelic, blockchain, Robbie right, right, Black, right, future, right. future, future, future. Yay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like going in outer space. And yeah, 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 yeah. Like like pitching the conference. It's like this is it, if Ted and Bernie Man had a baby. Sure, and sure. And I'm like, well, okay. If Ted and Bernie Man had a baby, then you're the people that like, we need to have this conversation, right? And, and and one of the founders came up to me you know, as soon as I got off stage and he just hissed at me he's like you don't give up f- do What? You? no and he I, did not he absolutely did and they and they stiffed me so the like which was which was really really funny like I've never had that happen in my life and I spent an entire week building a complete not this wasn't like a pull it off the shelf stump sure sheet. sure you, know, you could give me and, 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 and it was completely from the heart to try and address all this Wow so I went home in the fetal position I'm when was this 2020 yeah. Oh wow! So so, I was like, "What did I do wrong? Like, how did I this up so badly?" And and it occurred to me, I was like, "Oh, I just totally misjudged um, three things, right? Why did I get this allergic reaction from an audience that would otherwise should have been primed for this conversation?" Mm -hmm. And it was first was cognitive complexity, right? Pretty much what we've just been talking about, exponential everything in different directions, right? Because what we're missing is exponential meaning. You know, you got exponential. Quantum computing, you've got exponential current cryptocurrencies, you've got exponential learning with Khan Academy and distributed uh-huh. online, exponential transportation with Uber copters. We've got exponential biology with CRISPR, and you know, everything is exponential except how to make sense of it all. So I was like, okay, so our capacity to hold multiple competing and conflicting ideas simultaneously without crashing our mental browser or shitting the bed, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, right, right. So like that's one thing, right? And, and basically, you know, you can you can address that with a sort of fairly tidy thing, which is like a triangle of like a post-conventional metaphysics. So like, how could we all just kind of upload? Cause I mean, the short answer is get educated, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like good old fashioned Plato and Socrates 101, like learn how to learn, learn how to think, but we don't all have time for that, right? So if you have a little triangle where you're like, okay, Pascal's wager, Occam's razor and Bayesian probability. So you're like, Pascal's wager is basically, you know, he famously said, better to believe in God in case he's real, <laughs> right, <laughs> right? than to not, than to be an atheist and get doomed, you know, doomed to hell forever if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So, best, you know, moral is better at least conceive of the inconceivable just in case, right? So... Better to conceive of the inconceivable. Is there a global cabal of Satanist pedophiles running the world? I don't know. It seems a long shot, but maybe. Let me at least keep an eye on that. Um, are we possibly at the end of the Anthropocene era, and this is the extinction of humanoids on this, on this, on this hmm. little earth uh, form? Maybe. Might want to keep tabs on that. Um, is this the unraveling of the nation state? Perhaps. Is this the collapse of global economy? Perhaps. There's all sorts of things that it would be better for me to at least keep tabs on be aware of, yeah. And to be, ar- to be arrogantly dismissive. Right. So that's step one. Once you've let that in the gate, so you've conceived of some of the inconceivables, then you've got Occam's razor, which is the simplest solution is usually the best. Right? So rather than, once again, global <laughs> global conspiracies of, mm-hmm. of, of uh, satanic pedophiles, you might just say, hey, maybe the system is bankrupt and we've been getting lied to. And maybe there are systemic structures and maybe there's a bunch of different Cabal's or small groups mm-hmm. conspiring, right. but they always slam into each other, cancel each other out, do it. But the idea of some sinister centralized thing, potentially unlikely. Right. Or we're all, um, or there's going to be UFO contact, or you know. And I just did a bunch of psychedelics. And I'm now convinced that you know um, the you know the Galactic Federation is going to come and land and fix everything. You like that the Occam's razor explanation is I was on drugs that night. Mm. Right, So let's hold that one first right, and right, right, right. Like before we go leaping to conclusions. Mm-hmm. So Occam's Razor is always just don't get into excessively Baroque or complex or self-indulgent explanations which require connecting 17 dots to Sunday. Let's bust it all down and say it, the, the WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, is always a very high bar to go beyond.
0: Yeah, that's then, two. Right, yeah.
1: that's two. And then the foundation is Bayesian probability, right? And Bayesian probability is just to say, hey nothing worse than false certainty in a complex situation so map your equation of all the bits and pieces that might be contributing and then basically delay it's a little bit like like tai chi or martial arts where you like you know you put out a foot but you don't weight it because if you put all your weight on your front foot then your opponent can sweep yeah. you right and take you to the ground so the idea is like i'm going to put my foot there but i can also pick my foot up right so bayesian probability is saying pay attention to all the variables and constantly update them with the latest, most trustworthy information you have, mm-hmm. and delay making binding decisions for as long as possible. Right. Get it peer tested. Yeah. You know I, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, so that's the first one. Is is can't do we have that cognitive complexity to hold it huh. without overwhelming our emotions, our nervous systems, and our sense making and fundamental, you know, and screen of death, right? The rainbow <laughs> wheel of death, like just crashing our browser. So, because and, and, if we if it crashes, we tend to get bored, we get irritated, or we just say. That's all too much to think about. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going with this one, and then we ignore a whole lot of reality mm-hmm. and potential impacts. The next one is: is um, are we willing to kill our sacred cows? Meaning what? So our sacred cows, right? I mean it goes comes from India, but the idea of like you can't touch those ones because they're holy, right? And so, and we just talked about a few, right? If I believe that. You know, and this is like Francis Fukuyama, like back in 1989, he wrote that book, The End of History and the Last Man, because it was basically the fall of the Berlin Wall. Mm -hmm. And there was that kind of moment from like, fall of the Berlin Wall, I guess that was 91. I think he might have written this in 89. But like, so right around that era, we won the Cold War. Yay. Right? McDonald's and democracy for everyone. And free markets and democracy are the pinnacle of human civilizational attainment. And they're a steady state. Like, this is it. This is Mm -hmm. the top of the hill. Right, we've got here. We've arrived. History has literally ended. Now we're just scaling, improvising, tweaking mm-hmm, perfection. Mm-hmm. And that worked right up until you could say, you know, even you even have the invasions of Iraq, the Arab Spring, that idea of like we're going to topple all the despots and the bad guys and the dictators, and then, you know, c- you know, citizenship and democracy will arise in their place. Like, whoops, well, that didn't quite happen. Hmm. You know, and now we have all these ideas of what we took as sacrosanct, right, is now up for grabs. I mean, Mm. even in this last election cycle, there were a number of conservative politicians starting to tweet, hey, by the way, reminder, this is not a democracy, this is a republic. You know, like softening the ground for like voting suppression and things like that. You're like, whoa, (laughs) Like, like what, like, and how did something like a global pandemic, which was supposed to, you know, we would naturally expect a globally coordinated response and for sure a national effort, not, factionalizing states and pitting different political office, political governors against each other. And like, Mm. you guys can rot, but we're gonna look after our people, like mind blowing stuff. Things that go, you know, we're a democracy and we're talking about actively suppressing votes, not gerrymandering and the kind of backroom deals that have always happened, but like saying the quiet parts out loud. And you're like, wait a second, what's that about? Mm. Or the fact that the earth is forever bountiful. We might actually run it out. We're at peak sand, right? (laughs) Peak sand? Peak sand. Like that whole notion of go pound sand, right? Literally, like China has built more in the last three years than the United States concrete, has poured more concrete in the last three years than the United States did in the entire 20th century. Shut up. I'm not. And, and, oh my gosh. and they're having to import sand from Saudi Arabia because like, and they're, and they're also mining sand in India to ship to China. We are running out of construction sand in the world. So, so you're like, oh, wow. Like, so, so there's, there's so many things, and then even just take, you know, not like this was our father's generation, but the whole, you know, f- 20 years on a gold watch. I pick a company, I put my head down, I work my way up the ladder, and then I get a retirement and a pension. Well that got blown up with the (laughs) privatize everything and do your 401k. Right. right? Now you just do your dollar cost averaging and you match your matching funds and you save and you invest in mutual funds because no one can plan the stock market and don't get freaked in ups and downs because it always comes back over time. Right? That whole story. And now you've got baby boomers that are just simply shit out of luck and having to work convenience store jobs for the extra spending money and health insurance. One in three millennials has a side hustle just to make things, you know, so like the American dream of home ownership, well, that's gone, we're doing Airbnbs now. Car ownership, no, we're doing Ubers and, and scooters. You know, um, marriage, no, we're doing Tinder and- Right, right? hookup and, culture. And, and Bumble, yeah. like, like all of these things have been externalized and outsourced, right? So, so on this, the global <laughs> systemic, where there's all sorts of things that we took as sacrosanct, our sacred cows, mm-hmm. and on the personal, like, what did I think my life was going to entail right, that, that we're having to take long, hard looks at. Mm. And it's that whole, you know, 100-year, you know, like the 100-year, 1,000-year flood, 10-year flood kind of thing, floods and fires, right? For a long time, you're like, oh, sweet, well, we're at the 1,000-year floodplain. We're, we're bulletproof. You know, except that, right, we've been having 100-year weather events several times a decade lately. So you're like, oh, shit. okay, so, you know, and Churchill said it nicely. He said, he said, plans are worthless, but planning is priceless. Mm. So that notion of having some estimation, like our old rulers or yardsticks are kind of getting blown out of the water. We're experiencing accelerating change. Every, you know, the word unprecedented gets used so often these days. Right. <laughs> Unseasonable, unprecedented, you know, <laughs> all these things. And you're like, yep, that's, that's now enough. We have to come up with new adjectives or new yardsticks. <laughs> right. But having some sense <clears throat> of what do we think is coming gives us, an, and, and and based on what has happened in the past, right? That's what foresters do for fires, that's what right. civil engineers do But we don't know do what's coming fires. now. No, but we, we can run back to the planning is priceless. Uh-huh. It's a little bit like like choose your own apocalypse, like Mad Max libs, right? <laughs> right. So yeah, like yeah. fill in the blanks as you choose to give yourself a story. To, pre- to plan and prepare. That matches your model mm. of reality. Interesting. And at least then you're not in fibrillation. What's your, what are you planning for? Well, I mean... What's your apocalypse? Apocalypse. Well, my, my personal sense is... Um, if you run, like, the cold game theory analysis, you know, just kind of like, almost like, like, not even homo economicus, but like, homo Machiavellius. Like, what the fuck happens if everybody's acting out of self-interest and we just kind of do the things we seem to mm-hmm. c- continue doing? Then... There's an awful lot of trend lines that don't pencil out happily right now. If we're all competing against each other, going
0: after our own, trying to take what's ours
1: mentality. And and, 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 collapsing into factionalism and tribalism and all of those Uh things. Um, Not to just mention the pigs and the python, like the things that even if we all had an Ebenezer Scrooge, night tonight we go to sleep and we have our ghosts of christmas past present and future and we wake up you know like 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 paul on the road to Damascus. i've seen the light and we all promise to change and do everything right from here on it's still going to get catastrophically worse before it could get better why well just because there's a lot of inertia in our systems right and it's going to take decades plus to flush through all that so like i said even if we suddenly became some cross between Stephen Hawking and Mother Teresa and Elon Musk tomorrow and throw in the Dalai Lama while we're at it, right? So, <laughs> right, just like, right. If we just became that collectively and we did everything right, it's we are still going to have a hard landing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the question is just, is it an inferno? Do we lose the the, the landing gear, right? Or, or do we end up you know, in a belly slide on the grass and how many people get mm-hmm. off, right? So you're like, mm-hmm. okay, so that. My sense is... Um, Hard saying not knowing, like it, it is too complex to know for sure. And I mean, my background's in like mountain guiding and, and wilderness medicine and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I always just think super literally, like if you're, if you're in the mountains and you have, and you can sleep warm and dry. So like you've got a sleeping bag that's, that's protected from the elements. You can suffer a lot during the day and you can recover. Mm-hmm. If you have adequate food, if you have a fuel source. Clean drink, drinking water. Yeah. Clean drinking water, navigation, so you, like maps and compass, and medical, right? If you have those things, then like the Seattle Mountaineers have a, have a, have a bumper sticker that says, your worst nightmare is my vacation, <laughs> right? So, so you, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can go push it, and you can engage, you can climb into the pain cave, you can yeah. have the suffer fest, and it can actually be really enjoyable, and you can even choose high, hard objectives that are totally optional. Like, let's go claim climb that wild, crazy thing just to see if we can, because mm-hmm. it looks beautiful and treacherous, right? You right. can actually take on additional challenge. But lose your water filter, you know, break your stove. Right. Watch your sleeping bag roll down a ravine into a river and disappear. And then suddenly you're in cascading triage to like, oh, shit, we now have to beat a retreat to the trailhead and get back to civilization. Right. So we just saw this in Austin, right? You know, there was this freak snowstorm, power. You know, the entire Texas grid overload and was literally four minutes and thirty-five seconds from a meltdown crash that would have taken like um, over a month to rebuild. It was that close? And and at the same time, virtually nobody has alternate or backup heat sources. It's all electric because they barely ever need it. And then that. And then. All the pipes froze and, and then we also had a collapse in sanitized water. So there was boil water notices, there was pipe some people straight up didn't have any the whole, the whole thing and you're like, oh, you know who was it? There was a, there's a fellow at the UN that said this beautifully, which was we're only ever five missed meals from total anarchy. Right. Like a so, day and a half. Yeah. If you
0: so, don't mean for a day and a half, you're like, you're yeah. not thinking clearly. You're freaking out. You're and, and, stealing.
1: You're freaking and dood- people. And the doodly doodly do neighborly. Just no, goes, it's
0: just like, I'm going to go and break in and take some food.
1: Yeah. So wow. so my sense is, is like. What how, did, did, it, how, did, uh, how did Texas
0: handle it and from your perspective? Well, I mean. People coming together and saying. Some folks food. did.
1: Some folks did. <laughs>
0: Come stay here.
1: And, yeah. I think, I think, and I think it's important to celebrate and spotlight those things. Right, because we obviously need more of that, mm-hmm. um, and and there was toughness. Right, there's 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 the same things that we see in stable systems of imbalance. That there's you know always there's there's absolutely the notion of environmental racism, which is simply that. Folks, dispossessed, disempowered communities are almost always getting the shortest end of the stick when it Mm. comes to Mm. where the trash dump is, where the the Superfund site is, who has, you know, Flint, Michigan drinking water, Mm. you you name it, and then throw in crises and the interruption of services and then the restoration of services, and then that also gets laid over exactly those same patterns and dynamics. So there are folks that, you know, pissed off too nice locations on private planes or, you know, or, or, or to Cabo or whatever, yeah. planes or whatever, yeah. right. And, and that happens. people with mobility, people with disposable income, mm-hmm. people with advanced in, Intel or information sure. and news, all those things help. So the question is, is, is how do we, how do we rally ourselves together? And, and I think for anybody that considers themselves, even, like some form of a leader, For your family and your household, for your community, all these kind of things. There's kind of a sliding scale, right? If I can look after myself, and that's, you know, biohacking, peak performance, if I can sleep, rest, Mm -hmm. nutrition, mindset, all those things. And I've got enough gas in my tank left over then I can be a loving and engaging member of my family. But if I don't have those things. If I don't. If I have a concussion or I have you know, a diabetic blood sugar crash or I have a depressive episode or some mental health challenge or, or, or an addiction, then boom, I'm decompensated and I'm back to having to deal with me first. Mm. But let's say I get me sorted, then my severe concern can expand to my family. Let's say my family is more or less thriving and happy, then I've got more left over. I can start caring for my community, caring for my country, caring for the world. And that is a sliding scale mm-hmm. based on basically stability and access to energy and resources. So again, I could be a, I could be a leader of the world and get hit on the head with a hammer and I'm back to self-care. Mm-hmm. And it also has an expansion of concern and timeframe, which is I get hit on the head with a hammer, it's me now. Nothing else matters is that healing the Yeah, except the the crack in my skull, yeah. right? Um, if I'm in a plane crash with my family, it's me and mine now, right? If we are slightly better off than that, you know, we're now on the desert island, it's me and mine, now and next, mm. right? And you can Maybe see we'll have a helping an expansion hand, yeah. of how many people I care for over what kind of a time frame: immediate versus longer term, yeah. all the way to like Bodhisattva, everyone, everywhere, every when. Right, and then, and you're not only just caring for humans now, but maybe all sentient beings now. You're maybe not even caring for all sentient beings now. You're kind of caring for everyone that's ever been, and everyone that's ever gonna. Leaving the place better than you found it. Well, yeah, I mean, and 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 a lot of ethicists talk about that, like the idea between what's an existential crisis for humanity versus just a really really. (laughs) Road ahead. Because their point is. What's the difference? Well, and and you you know, it's pretty academic for us because my sense is that the only thing that actually matters as far as human choices is my generation and my kids' generation. Mm. After that, it's academic. But ethicists will say hey, an extinction event of humanity doesn't just mean everybody on Earth snuffs it, it means that every other human that has yet to be born but was going to be has snuffed it. Interesting. So you get this aggregate cost Mm -hmm. when you terminate. A species line through a keyhole event right. right and that's that's you know inconceivably exponentially bigger <laughs> as far as the loss yeah so so my sense would be is can we first you know first look after ourselves and our families so that right like like put our houses in order so that we can then come back to the front lines how do be we helpful how do we do that if we don't
0: have a meaning anymore, if we don't trust authorities, mm-hmm. trust the organized religions or politics or corporations, if we don't have, if that's all fractured and broken now, mm-hmm. how do we find meaning of why we're even here?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously that, that answer is, that's unique for everybody, right? It has to mm-hmm. be. Um, and any... Tops down answers, no matter how good they sound at the beginning, almost always devolve into some form of fascism over time, right? So a question is, is like, hey, if we are, if, if, like meaning 1.0, right, we can call that like traditional religion, offered salvation, right? Here's the story of how you get to heaven, mm-hmm. right, but at the price, but at the price of exclusion, mm. right? It was, it, it was those who believed were saved, those who didn't weren't. So it was kind of a harsh approach, but it was fair. Like, it was, like we we're gonna lay our cards on the table exactly how we're gonna play this game. Do
0: this and you're saved, don't do this, and you're not saved. And you're stuffed,
1: you are not in the tree of trust. Right, right right, <laughs> right, right. And then meaning 2.0, which we could say is sort of like the French enlightenment on, the modern liberalism, civil rights, civil liberties, private property, markets, that whole thing, um, said, hmm, that whole salvation game, that's problematic. That's led to holy wars, all inquisitions, all of this, you know, and superstition and all this bad stuff. So we're gonna we're not gonna do that. We're gonna do inclusion. Everybody gets to play this game, at least in theory, right? At the cost of salvation, right? Mm-hmm. Separation of church and state, and Nietzsche's sort of God is dead, right? Um, and both of the, like, and they haven't worked, That hasn't worked out too well either, right? Because an awful lot of people have correctly said, well, because the story was sort of like wait your turn. Play by the rules, and your turn will come. Mm. We promise, mm-hmm. right? And you're getting a lot of frustration and understandable even rage at the imbalances of that game. Like we were sold a bill of goods, and in fact, Joseph Stieglitz, who's uh, you know he was um, World Bank, UN economic advisor, all sorts of incredibly high up positions. I mean, he basically just called the entire shell game. He's, he's like, he's like, it's been 40 years, and 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 the results are in. Neoliberalism and democracy um, are, are, have have broken. And the benefits have accrued asymmetrically to those at the top. And you know, in the last year, we've seen all sorts of things about what kind of recession are we in because of quarantine? Is mm-hmm. it gonna be a U-shaped or a V-shaped or a K-shaped? Right? <laughs> and a K-shaped just means the top 1% are now trillion and gazillionaires mm, right. and everybody else is hosed. And I mean, to get to put this like really, uh, to put a point on it, this blew my mind. I had written the first chapter of this book 18 months ago. And I had a paragraph, and it said, "When sixty-eight, 68 people on the planet are richer than <laughs> hold as much wealth as the bottom half, the bottom four billion. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? Sixty-eight people could all fit on a bus, one bus. They have more money half. than half. Yes, of the- than half, than half of the world's population. And and like then just to note that, like that sort of asymmetrical accumulation of resources, energy credits, like natural resources, it, it mm-hmm. occurs in no living system anywhere." ever now that was 18 months ago just before we went to press so I to just go back and fact check the number, How many is it now it's 27. You, they can fit in a stretch limo
0: oh my gosh 27 have 27 more money and more resources yes. than the bottom 4 billion. four billion people in the four planet. billion people now that 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 just should break our hearts does that excite you to share show what possibilities you could create Potentially for yourself, or does that should that break our
1: hearts? I mean, well, I mean, in some respects, I mean, this is the other thing. I I think the era of like, I think a good thing for us to think of is that is that physics trumps metaphysics all day long. So whether you're a dyed-in-the-wool libertarian free markety guy, whether you're somebody who's all about Particular neo-Marxist theories or interpretations, whether you're some New Age consciousness, Mm -hmm. it's sort of going to be like, guys, I think it's time. Like it's 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 at the poker table, it's it's a call. Like it's like lay 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 your cards down, because we're about to see what happens, Mm. and it won't be talking heads getting to spin (laughs) their take, right? There's going to be a lot of surprised faces going, oh, okay, I guess this happened, or this is happening. So whether that's climate alarmists or denialists, like we're gonna see. Whether that's social, whether it's nationalism is the best thing or globalism, like we're gonna see. Whether these markets are stable or inflationary or deflationary or efficient or totally inefficient and there's tons of rent seeking and capture and we're dealing in late stage capitalism is a total sham compared to the ideal of a free market, we'll see. So there's all sorts of things in the coming few decades we're simply just gonna experience physically. You know, it's the whole sort of Mike, Physics, yeah. Mike, Mike Tyson, right? Like everybody's got a plan to you you get punched in the face. Yeah. yeah. Right? We're, we're about to take some shots. We've been taking shots, right? Yeah. You yeah, well, gonna... I mean, and I, I would even say that, that you know, weirdly, because a, a number of people have sort of approached me over the last six months and been like, oh, dude, this is, you know, this isn't right like you called it. This mm-hmm. is all happening exactly as you said. And I'm like, no, no. Actually, this was a total surprise. In fact, I haven't, just to my own sanity, and not to be a total buzzkill at parties i took i haven't i wasn't even deeply monitoring global pandemic risk i mean you knew kind of there's these you know like yeah. favelas in sao paulo and crazy Uber slums in Africa and Lagos and, and Shanghai and, and that those were going to be hotbed incubators of the next wild pathogen. But you You're didn't like, think it was going to be globally this soon. <laughs> well, it's just like yeah. Look, I just I mean I can you can only wrap your head around so many wild ass things and still be sociable. You're like
0: this is going to crumble and this is going to crumble in yeah. the next decade, but not this
1: and everything yeah. else. Yeah. So this to me was a total flyer. But and and the and the crazy thing is is that actually has nothing to do with the underlying structural conditions that are still the blaring red alarm. Right. Gosh, so, right. Wow. So this was a this is merely a dress rehearsal, mid level, <laughs> <laughs> totally manageable thing. We're fing up terribly. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Meanwhile Everything else right. is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so the questions are is is
0: Do you think this is a good thing that's happened this this soon and not delayed suffering and pain? Is it good that we're seeing this now the pandemic i mean obviously it's not good when people are dying and suffering and things are happening but in the overall scheme of the world and healing and awareness mm-hmm. and reinventing ourselves mm-hmm. is this necessary
1: yeah i mean i mean and and those kind of comforting just so narratives mm-hmm. right don't worry cupcake it's all going to be okay because here's the bigger plan or right. story right everything happens for a reason those kind of things Um, I have a hard time sinking my teeth into those. Mm. Um, and I, I, Because I just, I mean, how on earth do we know? And I think, in some respects, I guess, if I had to kind of define how I might look at things, it's a little bit more like a transcendental existentialism, (laughs) right? So the existentialism part is, life is utterly meaningless, right? That, you know, Camus um, said it famously in his book, The Myth of Sisyphus. He said, the only serious question is whether or not to commit suicide. Right? So you actually have to stare into the screaming abyss. You have to be like, okay, strip it all out. Mm-hmm. Right, Jack Nicholson and a few good men. You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Right, you got to actually go stare into the screaming abyss and understand that we are just monkeys with clothes on a little rock next to I- an irrelevant generic star circling around. Floating thing. in infinite yeah. space. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. It's horrifying. right? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> and, and. There are these moments of sublime grace, Mm -hmm. beauty, and potentiality. Mm -hmm. And we're little we and we are the existential mayflies of this universe with opposable thumbs and prefrontal cortexes, and we're here for like eight or nine decades on a good run, like to fight and to f and to grieve and to build and to create and destroy and to be alive and like holy, we're alive. And so and that part, like holding and cherishing that part at the same time as holding the profound grief, which by the way, is the third leg of the stool we talked about too, which was complexity, sacred cows. And then as we do this, this is actually the appropriate point of this conversation, which is once we've stared into the screaming abyss and we realize that we've just been whistling past the graveyard, right? Right. It's kind of scary, so I'm gonna whistle a little song and hopefully that keeps whatever's really big and scary away, like really? Like what does that do? Right, it's a little bit like all the True Blood movies and all the hip vampire movies, where someone invariably like spritzes them with holy water <laughs> or makes a crucifix, and they're like, "Are you are you kidding? Right, like right, you right. believe that old t- that old oh, wives' yeah, tale? Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, no. We're way hipper than that. Yeah, right. So like our monsters, I think, are actually far yeah. stronger than our superstitious warning. Mm. Yeah, you got to get to the heart to kill us. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. And so and so the question is is how do we learn to Weep, not whimper. Hmm. Right? We're so, like, whether it's trigger warning. What's the difference? It, well, the difference is, like, is fibrillation versus, like, stress versus distress, right? So, like, you know, most people think when they see, like, you know, whatever, Grey's Anatomy or things like that, right? Or ER or house, right? The idea of, like, paddles and we never clear right those things that's to start somebody's heart it's not it's actually to stop someone's heart mm. because what's happening in those situations is ventricular fibrillation which mm. means their heart is in a spasm which will kill them right and so what they're doing is they're zapping it to flatline it uh-huh. so that then the brain impulses and, start, resets back it. Up yeah, yeah. and resets right and we are in ventricular fibrillation psychologically socially politically we're all experiencing micro ptsd and you look on Twitter, you look on social feeds, you look at the amount of bad faith inflammation. We're just looking for excuses, dying for excuses to misread someone's intent, take it wildly out of context and just unload rage. Why? And it's just because because our nervous systems are in fibrillation, right? So and that's the whimpering, that's the whining. We're collapsing into these who can, who can play the victim, victim card. The, the most. And it, there's been an interesting study, and I haven't gone back to look at the, the actual paper, but a friend just told me this yesterday, which was there's a correlation <sighs> between playing victimhood identities, like seeking that mindset, and dark triad, narcissistic, Machiavellian, sociopathic personality types. So now you've got bad actors going, the help, help, I'm being oppressed, right? Simply because it's a highly effective power play right now. And then you have legitimately huge populations that are being victimized by conditions in life that absolutely need infinite care, compassion, and support. They're not getting it because we're in this fibrillated state. So the the weep, don't whimper, is open our hearts to the wounds of the world and feel it, Mm. right? Because it connects us to ourselves. It connects us to each other, and Mm. it connects us to our courage and our purpose. And then get the back up. Right. And let's do our part.
0: Right. We're here for a reason. Let's figure it out. Yeah. Let's figure out what this is. What's I mean, what should we be having
1: faith in? Well, that's is, a, that's should a, we have faith? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that, that's such a good question uh, and such a good such a good word. Um, because And is it
0: blind faith? Is it just well, this is what our grandparents told our parents and this is what the book says and this yeah. is what our god says or whatever, so we just trust it blindly?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think those days are gone, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're just, we are, there's such a spike in cynicism and there's a collapse in benign and divine authority. So we can't really kind of go back and dust them off and reboot them and prop them back up again. We've kind of seen that they're like, you know, Potemkin villages, like back mm-hmm. in the Stalinist days where they would take people driving through Moscow right. and then they would literally do like, almost like theater stage sets, those were called, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Right? to look like they were really robust and thriving. So we kind of have seen that a lot of, Institutions that we took to be solid and timeless are Potemkin villages. Right. We're seeing, you can't how the, un-see that. we're seeing how the sausage is made and yeah. everything. Yeah. yeah. And it's and it's thoroughly disappointing. In fact, I mean I think there would be an amazing kumbaya situation if you took alt-right conspiracy theorists and far left conspiracy theorists and you said, Hey guys, let's just get together and because because the the diagnosis of the problem is 90% aligned. It's you can't trust elite institutions. We've been being fed a bill of goods. All media and messaging is massaged and positioned and we're supposed to just mm-hmm. take it. There's a sort of dual layer system of politics and power and really, you know, this is Noam Chomsky's critique from way back when, right? But I mean, it it comes from both sides. All those things, and the and the common man is getting a bill of goods, you know, fill it in. I mean, I mean Bernie in 2016 and Trump in 2016, their analysis of what was wrong with America was, yeah, it was at least 80% identical. Now, their prescription, as to what we ought to do, who's to blame and what we should do next about it, those go very differently, right? And so getting, getting folks together on the shared playing field is, I just think it's, it's helpful. And it also clears away the noise and the clutter because it's like that last 10% is the whole ball game uh. as to who's to blame and what should we do now. Right, and that's where you have to get. That's where you really have to slow the tape. And what do we believe in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you have to get very, very specific. Because I mean, you know, an example that I can't get out of my head. It just seems to be such a strong one. Is like Charlie Manson. Like I watched that. There was a documentary in like nineteen seventy three. It was all original footage. It wasn't like a CBS like after school special with actors, and and you know, and it's idyllic. It's naked, blonde-haired hippies like smoking weed by the Mm -hmm. waterfalls in Topanga and like hanging out and doing the whole thing, right? And you're like, oh my gosh. And then you hear them interviewed and... and, and again 90% of what they had to say they said hey you come out of the 50s the Eisenhower industrial complex you're trying to please your parents you're, you don't even know who you are you need mm. to get clear on what your purpose is what your sexuality is what your joy is what you're, you're like yes yes check 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 and then up is down down is up and you're like mm, kind of interesting they're, they're tripping maybe we'll give it that we'll give them that one and then life is death and um, death is life Wow maybe on a kind of like a super Zen point of view perhaps and then and then like oh uh, then kill the pigs and you're like oh wait that part. Right? And so we're seeing that with anti-vax conspiracies, we're seeing that with QAnon, we're seeing that with new age, like we're all gonna vibrate up to the next density and leave behind this earth form or all the other, the chubby people who don't eat at Erewhon's and Whole Foods, mm. right? That whole thing you're seeing, you're like, whoa, 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 slow the tape right there. Because like, you can have psychedelic fascism, you can have ethno-nationalism, you can have, you, you, there's all sorts of pathological places these go. Right. And if you're not aware of the philosophical and ethical implications baked into what all sounds reasonable at 100,000 feet, but you actually start trying to put them on the ground and you're like, oh man, those don't go to happy places. So, to your point about faith, mm-hmm. right? Um, how, do we, how do we create a meaning 3.0? Yes. Right? That, that takes the promise of salvation, right? Cause, because without salvation, right? People who grew up, as nuns, people who grow up as um, atheists, people who grew up unchurched, right, Um N- succumbed no, N-O-N-E. N-O-N-E. Yes, N-O-N-E, not habits, um, have, had, have succumbed to diseases of despair, depression, anxiety, addiction, and suicide. Because they don't have... Because there isn't the pr- a greater purpose or greater greatest... Yeah. That, that's the staring into the screaming abyss. If you've got no rope to pull you back... You say disease of despair? Diseases yeah. of despair, yeah. yeah. And no like, hope. Yeah, and, and WHO has, has shared in the last couple of years more people on this earth kill themselves than die of all wars and natural disasters combined every year. No way. So think about our news feeds. All we see is war and natural disasters. Now just disappear that all and just say the silent epidemic is people saying, I cannot make sense of being alive on this earth. So why sure. be here? I'm, yeah. I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah, which is hot, you know, one more breaking of our heart. But the, the thing about heartbreak and actually facing our grief, is it categorically makes us stronger and connects us to our courage. Mm. And so, like, Tonglen is the Tibetan practice of of meditation that's specifically about this, right? And Pema Chodron, who's um, a Tibetan nun and and Buddhist uh, teacher, um, lays it out. She's like, you know, most meditations, like think happy thoughts, say a mantra, try to get to stillness, try to get to emptiness, something along those lines. Gratitude. Yeah. Happy things, right? Yeah. Tonglen's the exact opposite, and it's like start with like actually picturing every the picture of the suck, like literally imagine the, the black tar, the smoke, the, the, the pain, your grief, your angst, your jealousy, your you know your your resentment, mm. your neurosis, and then inhale it, like literally visualize it as tar or smoke, inhale it, and then exhale, light, love, compassion. And then, when you can do that for yourself, and you actually—this it, 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 is an imaginal exercise, right? Mm-hmm. So it only—it wor- yeah. works as you cultivate that muscle. It's not some misto thing. It's a thought experiment that you can—you can build those muscles to do better. Then you can expand it to everyone in your family mm. everyone in your community and everyone in the world so you can actually play with that and then over time that does something you know back to the idea of like steering into the skid racing cars right if you steer away from the skid you spin out if right. you steer into, into the skid yeah. you have dynamic balance so you're like oh now we take our suffering as raw material for our compassion and like an alice walker the the author of the color purple and a bunch of other things which has been a friend and student of Pema Chodron's, and she said, she's got this beautiful line in one of her books. She says, "My heart's been broken open so many times now, it just swings open wide, like a suitcase." Mm. Right, and that's what I mean about the the learn to weep, not whimper.
0: Learn to feel.
1: Yes. Learn to feel it all, and 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 Martin. Don't, don't block it, and don't be whimpering. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, Martin Prachtel, who's a who's a powerful. Man, shaman, poet, teacher from the Mayan tradition. He says, grief is praise, right? We only, it is love's way to honor what it misses, right? And Mm. and our buddy, Zach Stein, who is a Harvard trained uh, psychologist and educational theorist, um, he's, I mean, the number of times I bring this up, it's obviously has haunted me, right? But he said, we are perhaps entering an era where billions watch while millions die this era right now this time yeah like this 21st century yeah and so you think about that and and televised and live i mean think about george floyd right right that ricocheted around the world in an asymmetrical way right there have been all sorts of events like that all Mm. over the place all the time something happened and it broke our collective brains Mm. and hearts Mm -hmm. and if you think about even about the languaging like i can't breathe Mm. it was so profoundly and vulnerably human. And and that and the rage that it prompted was that. It was like, it was the anguish cry of humanity saying, like, no, like enough is enough. And there's infinite complexities and realities and, and analysis to unpack around that, that event, those protests, all those things. But just at that core, human level, right? It's it's profound. And and part of that is, it used to just be if something happened you heard about it through scuttlebutt in your neighborhood mm-hmm. your, or your village and that was your that was our world that was the only information we had and now it's just you turn on the phone every moment you see another tragedy yeah well i mean and, and i read something uh, probably the most psychoactive thing i've read in the last six months was something in the mit reader and it's this it was this wild timeline of humanity's awareness of our own mortality Basically, and it was and it was sort of going all the way back to like the Greeks and, 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 and ancient Hebrews and all this kind of stuff. And it was saying, look, sure there were like end of times mythologies always baked in, but that was kind of like literally like lights out, like beam up to the mothership, some complete transformation of reality. But it wasn't until like literally the 1700s, the 1800s, like the discovery of Halley's comet. And then the fact like, oh my gosh, that's a comet. And then like, wait a second, that could come really close to Earth. And then like, holy shit, are we going to actually get hit by a comet? And then paleontology and like, wait, there's dinosaurs and evolutionary theory. And like, we're not the first ones to be here. And these guys aren't here anymore. And what's that about? And like, holy smokes, the idea that humans could go away Mm -hmm. and that life in some other form could continue without us. Crazy. We've only had this for like wrapped around, wrapped our heads around it briefly for like the last few hundred years. And and in fact there, speaking of like that, that Francis Fukuyama book, The End of History and The Last Man, <laughs> there was the first dystopian science fiction novel which was written in eighteen oh four by a French guy called The Last Man. And it was a, it was a sci-fi story about a future with the extinction of humanity. And that poor buster committed suicide. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? oh. So you're like you're like, holy and now you got Greta Thunberg, right? You, 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 have, you have a generation coming right. up who are like post 2008, they, they weren't raised with like unicorns you know, no. and rainbows and they're like student debt and loans and, and financial crashes and unemployment and, and ecological catastrophe. Yeah. And they're like, you, we're pissed. Yeah. And, and how dare you, right? And so, so this awareness, like there, there's a sort of sense, it's a little like Neo in the Matrix, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, yes, you can learn Kung Fu and you can fly, but ka-chunk, ka-chunk, you're also in a vat of goo and the machines are coming. Right, so 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 let's give you a hug and a high five. Welcome home. Right, right. You get a weekend to bask in your newfound identity and possibility, and then Monday morning, show up to work. (laughs) Right, we need it. We're all needed. Right. So how do we get back to this place of when
0: we realize all these things are breaking down around us? These Mm -hmm. beliefs, these ideals, these foundations. What our parents Mm -hmm. told us was true. Whatever it might be. How do we begin to start to understand what our own faith is, what yeah. we should believe in, what we should hold on to, if there's nothing solid.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean the beautiful thing is is that the answers are all around us. Mm-hmm. They really, truly are. Like, um, in fact, one of my favorite pieces to write in this book was, was talking about, cause, because basically he's saying, look, if we're gonna rebuild Meaning 3.0, how can we take the best of organized religion and the mm-hmm. best of the modern liberal experiment mm-hmm. and put them together-
0: Science, ancient wisdom, yes. yeah, everything. And, and
1: inclusion, inclusion and salvation. Mm-hmm. And is that even yes. possible, right? And so clearly a single tops-down version contraindicated. We've seen, we've seen Stalinism, Maoism, fascism. We've seen all the hisms, schisms, and they don't work very well. They always end up, basically, whenever the ends of a utopian ideal are heaven on earth or off it, then the means are always justified. So you always end up with bad things happening right? right, <laughs> right. right? Because, because you can always justify it against the ideal. So let's not do that let's do decentralized open source let a thousand fires burn and 900 of them will go out in the storm but a hundred will catch and then we'll see and we can pass the light pass the torches right and so one of the simplest things is that um a dust off all the wisdom traditions there's thousands of years of accumulated brilliance insight and artistry but even in like the american tradition and if you take america because we seem to be kind of, I don't know what we're doing, but we're sort of doing it on behalf of humanity right now, right? Like like the, the, the grief, the rage, the conflicts, the discussions, everything that is happening here is sort of in some form rippling out through the world or being echoed by similar movements. So, so race, class, gender, politics, nationality, ecology, all the things, right? And the American tradition has always been this crazy hodgepodge of international experience you know you've got chinese laborers building the railroads and irish folks coming in and west african folks coming in and western europeans southern europeans all these things and and every you know and and indigenous folks and all this you know and and spaniards coming up and and like and smashing and crashing into each other and somewhere in that created like gospel jazz blues Mm. folk right, um, into, you know, hip-hop, into all of these things, this, this living songbook. Mm. And in those songs, those redemption songs, right, is, it's always the same story, right? It's, it's, it's I've been down so long, right? I'm broke open, and it seems like up to me, right? That was a 1920s blues song. Drake covered it. Nancy Sinatra and the Doors covered it, right? You're like, you're like that sense of going down the road feeling bad, right Right And I'm singing it. And in fact, that becomes a triumphant celebration.
0: Acknowledging it, talking about yes. it being aware of it. Yeah. like
1: Beyonce, I mean the, like there's the, the Grace Cathedral in San Francisco has had the Church of Beyonce on Wednesday nights and they literally get together and they use Beyonce songs as <laughs> hymns and liturgy, liturgy and it is straight the f- up praise music. Wow, right. It's like Aretha Franklin like dusted off. and like Beyonce's mom is like Creole, Chinese african-american french like all she's probably got like half a dozen lineages and she grew up in a houston baptist church Mm -hmm. and then she's singing this stuff and like dolly Parton, like singing like at the oscars she was singing this it was for that movie trans america which was all about lgbtq Mm -hmm. folks right and she was singing this song like we've all been crucified and they nailed jesus to a tree but when i'm born again you're going to see a change in me and you're like Mm. Okay, so like you hear it, and like Stanley Crouch at the Lincoln Jazz Center, like the idea that like jazz, blues, all of these traditions are actually this heretical, hermetic, mystic spirituality that is unique to America. Because it was all freaks and misfits who came mm-hmm. here. And you couldn't, you, the Protestant church and the Catholic church, they wouldn't have signed off on half the shit that ended up right, in America right. as these wild ass hairball experiments. And we created this this defiant. Lit- liturgy right this living hidden scripture in our concerts in our songbooks, right in our protests in our mm-hmm. marches of like we're here and life hurts and we rise up singing hmm. and and you know you know that like you know it's powerful because those are the songs that people hold up lighters for. Those are the so- like Lady right. Gaga, right? Like like Born This Way. These right. are these are the testify songs. Mm-hmm. Give you chill songs. They give you chills, and they give you chills. Like even that chumba-wumba, like way back when. Like I get knocked down, right. but I get up again. It's gonna keep me down. You got these drunken drunken yeah. Scots, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Fuck it ain't right. Right. So so that you know that like going down into the mud of our shared suffering, that and that's back to the weeping, not whimpering. Right. And then, and then, and then somewhere in that feeling the pulse, right? Feeling the beat, like feeling the chorus. And then you're like, oh, we are here. And, th- and then it becomes that sort of I am Spodacus moment,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Where you're like, okay, we are all dead men walking. No one gets out of here alive. Right. Right. So, how do we do this? That's the, it's the, O Captain, my Captain, and dead poets. Right. We're going to get expelled for doing right. what we're about to do. Right. Our love outweighs our fear wow so so that sense of like we all love those moments we love leonidas yeah right you know at, at thermopylae we, we love we love those 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 calls to arms and courage tank man in tiananmen square mm-hmm. some dude wearing like having two like, shopping bags in his hands he wasn't prepped for that shit he just ends up being like nah this stands in front of a phalanx of tanks and says enough is enough. Crazy. Good you got disappeared. We've never heard from him again. and He's never been tracked again. Really? There was like four people in matching clothes that came and and so either that was good guys or highly likely it wasn't. Right? But that triggered something. And and Nancy Keane at Harvard Business School, she wrote a, we we shared a stage at MIT a, a year ago and she's she's a firecracker and she wrote this amazing book called Forged in Crisis. And it just changed how I think of this stuff. She, it was Abraham Lincoln, Dietrich uh, von Bonhoeffer, who was the, the pastor who tried to assassinate Hitler, Rachel Carson, who wrote Silent Spring, which kicked off the environmental movement, uh, Frederick Douglass, the abolitionist, um, ba-do, 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 and, and one other. And the thing that was crazy about their stories, including like the Emancipation Proclamation, right? Every single... Oh, and Shackleton, the, the Antarctic explorer. And the key was that at the moments that are in Wikipedia in the moments that we hear about in school, they had no f-ing idea what they were doing. Mm. Like, like <laughs> right. the Emancipation Proclamation was a, was a Doug Flutie, like, like Mary. <laughs> final huck with, at the buzzer. He had no, it was desperate and he had no, no idea that it was gonna work or become the mm. tide of history. And so you realize you but she writes, she's like, when people act from that spot with the courage, but with with a, a com- desperate courage type, but, yeah, of- a complete like not no like no certified mail saying this all works out, Sonny, but you got to do it anyway. He says it sends shockwaves through the world, right? So we've talked about we've talked about all the exponential curves, doing all the exponential things, and how overwhelming that can be, and also fundamentally how scary, right? How 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 much uncertainty, how much un- how much fear, how much risk. There is in the world as we face it. But the flip side is, it's like nobody promised us a rose garden. Like, have you watched Game of Thrones? I mean, yes, mm. they made that up, but life has been cheap for an awfully long time. Mm-hmm. Red in tooth and claw and nasty, brutish and short. Has, has it ever been thus, right? Mm. So can we step out of being deconditioned zoo animals? Can we step back into the bigger arc of history? Can we sack the f- up with courage and, and, mm. and access soul force, you know, and that, and that's what Martin Luther King, you know, he said that in that, that I Have a Dream speech, is when we, when we can rise to the majestic heights of meeting physical force with soul force, mm. right? And and most people, that's how they know it. That's That was the moment that, that concept came up on the stage, but he actually had borrowed that twice over. So it wasn't even his, his words or concepts. Um, it was this fellow, this African-American mystic named Howard Thurman. And he was a mentor to the Civil Rights Movement, but he was so kind of like in his jar love and he didn't actually ever like march with pickets but he advised all those guys wow and and all of them carried his books with him like day to day like literally like in their satchels kind of thing but he went to visit gandhi in 1935 so he was the first interfaith wow. african-american ambassador to go to india ever wow because you think about this i mean 1935 is not mm. that after reconstruction right like i mean you've mm-hmm. still got living former slaves you, still, you know this is crazy Fresh times, and so he goes there and he meets with Gandhi, and Gandhi shares with him this notion of nonviolence, which they called satyagraha, and and, and it and basically means alignment with truth,
0: mm.
1: right, and that that is unbreakable. What and, is the truth? Well, but truth, integrity, right action, mm-hmm, gotcha. right? humanity, mm-hmm, dignity, gotcha, all those things, and and so Thaman came home and he's like, okay, Satyagraha, that's the Sanskrit. That's a mouthful. No one in this country is going to understand that. I'll tell you what, let's rebrand this. Mm-hmm. And we'll call it Soul Force. And, and because up until then, civil disobedience was just a tactic in the civil rights movement. They're like, let's not get our heads bashed in. Right. And let's not needlessly antagonize folks with guns and batons and dogs. Right. We stay alive. And water cannons. Yeah. That's what it was. Right? After that, civil disobedience became the central philosophical pillar mm-hmm. of nonviolent protest around the world. And that's, that's soul force. right? And, and Erica Chenoweth at, uh, at Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, right? she's done this you know, study that's been restated a thousand times, which is that when she studied from, I think, like 1950 to maybe 2010, I forget quite where, where, what her time brackets were, but you know, basically late 20th century into early 21st century, civil rights movements that have been successful that, you know, Eastern Europe, Asia, United States, um, everywhere else, um, that that it required about three and a half percent of the population. Mm. That's it. Three and a half percent of the population to actually make these phase shifts that then can create this catalytic event, which is beautiful and inspiring, right? And that's certainly where Extinction Rebellion and a lot of other social and environmental protest movements have taken inspiration Mm. lately. There's also kind of a critique of that where you're like, hey, that you know it's one thing to be like i insist on riding in the front of the bus and the bus has four inflated tires and gas in the tank to get your destination right that's one move right we're we're saying hey there is this civil experiment we've been locked or blocked out of it and we are politely asking for our opportunity to get on board Mm -hmm. right but it's another thing to be like hey we are sailing off a cliff in that there bus and we have to transform it Chitty Chitty Bang Bang style into a helicopter before you crash. Like that's kind, of, that's kind of where we are, right? right. So it's like complex intersecting and meta-crises. And the, and the bus itself of like prosperous, stable civil society is not necessarily persisting. So the, the Erica Chenoweth's three and a half percent is that honking great asterisk of like TBD if this holds up. But the other thing is, is like we're nowhere near three and a half percent. Right. So let's get there and we'll take stock. Right? We'll take stock once we do. And 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 that that sense. So you you asked about faith mm-hmm. and we've been playing with grief and we've been talking about courage, right? And and our buddy actually Andrew Huberman. He's a, he's a professor. Love this guy. Yeah. Right? Love it. Rockstar and 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 so curious and then also comes up with ingenious experiments to then validate stuff uh-huh. that you would otherwise Gosh. just be spitballing about, mm-hmm. right and um, and he told me it was, it was fascinating because he told me the story of this research as it was happening and then last year he actually finally published it in the journal nature which was this story on courage in mice and they mm. wanted to see they wanted to see what happens basically when we're terrified and what's going on in our brain right and, you know, everybody has heard of fight or flight, mm-hmm. right? But just because it rhymes doesn't mean it's correct. Mm. So it's actually, there's there's flight or freeze, there's that network, and then there's the stand and fight network, which so technically it's a salience-reducing network, meaning like, don't look at me, right? Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself small or get out of dodge. Or a salience-enhancing network, which is like, you want a piece of... Right? Yeah. And, and it's like what, yelling at the bear or something that's coming
0: at you yeah. as opposed to like getting in the fetal position.
1: Yeah. So, 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 and it all goes through the, the thalamus in, in the brain. Right? And what, he, what they found was is when they stimulated this very specific region, right, that it stimulated a salience-enhancing response associated with courage. So 98% of mice, when faced with the shadow of a hawk, Right, which is what they do in the lab. They just torment these poor mice. Right? Oh my gosh! So here comes Shadow. Here, or here or comes a snake, a snake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, ninety-eight percent of them piss off and hide under the nearest oh, Right, they run. And then only two percent actually thump their tails, but they do it once they're under shelter. So it's kind of a little bit of a, like a chihuahua move, right? Not very ballsy. Yeah. Okay. So then they stimulate the courage center, and then they stand, shut, shut up, thump their tails, and say, "Bring it!" No so it's way. Like, it's like Bruce Lee. So they let do me this. Bite you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But it gets it gets even better than that, right? So. So Andrew, being the compassionate dude, he's like, he's like, man, am I just pushing their buttons and sending them to their doom? That doesn't, do they have choice? Do they have choice? Mm. And so given the choice between food, sex, and having that stimulated, they choose having courage stimulated over food and sex, and humans do too. So like, we, will, we would rather be brave, we would rather feel brave than get laid. Why? Because it is essential, and 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 the final, the final, just like amazing, but you can't make this up. The name of that center is called the Nucleus Reunions. So in Latin, that means the seed of our reunion. It's how we come together. Mm. Is our courage? It's poetry. You can't. Wow. I mean, we couldn't have planned that. Wow. But Andrew discovered it. So we we want to feel courage over pleasure over looming threat, right? Like the reason that. 300, Harry Potter, Dead Poets, Thelma and Louise, right? Being like, mm-hmm. fuck this, right. we're going to send it. No skid right, marks, right, right, right. right? The reason those movements, even Rogue One, you could tell, like I hadn't watched Rogue One yet, and it got really strong reviews, and people were like, okay, this is kind of money. This is a solid, solid addition to the Star Wars franchise. You know, you're like, what's going on here? Like, there's a thing here. I don't know what it is, but there was some gravitas to it. And you're like, oh, it's because they die at the end. Right? And, and in fact, there's a guy, Matthew, gosh, Matthew Polly or Pollard, I think. He was basically like Tim Ferriss before Tim was. So he was at Princeton in the early mm-hmm. 90s, and he decided to kind of like game his system. And he, he had grown up watching Saturday morning kung fu, kung fu movies. So he was desperate to go and become a Shaolin monk. Wow. So he punched into China long before there shut were up. any Westerners, right? So super, super early. Interesting. Finds his way to the Shaolin Temple. Classic thing, in the rain, gets shut out, has to sit on the porch, finally gets invited in, that they adopt him. Blah, blah, blah. And then he gets a bunch of VHS tapes shipped over with Rambo and, and Schwarzenegger movies. So it's like they're rickety old TV, plug in the VHS. And he's like, I'm gonna show you our hero movies. And they watch them all night on a Saturday night, binge watch them. And then he finishes like, so what'd you think? And, and they looked at him with funny faces and they're like, well, Matthew, man, what's the deal? He goes, I thought you said these were your hero movies. These are, and he's like, yeah, these are action heroes. They're absolutely amazing. He's like, no, 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 they, they all- They all live. They all live. No one dies. No one dies for the cause. Ooh. In all of our hero stories, right? And, and you have to die. Really? Yes. Right? And so that notion of consumerism uh, and rational individualism and all the isms and the stories and the, and the specifics of, you know, 20th century, 21st century Western culture have been, you can have your cake and eat it. You right, don't the, have to make trade-offs. The fairy tale ending. You, the, yeah, yeah, you do deserve your best life. There is no ambiguity or complexity to this thing. And it's happily ever after always for everyone, or at least for the good guys. Right Versus the, the notion and, and, and my friend and, and business partner, uh, Kurt Cronin, who's a former dev group commander, said a modern version of this. He said whenever they were going downrange into combat, they planned to come home in a body bag. Shut up. Well, of course, right? It's not surprising. And right. he, but, he, but he said, you know, I had written my letters. Oh my God! I had established my will. I had, a, I had figured out my trust for my children <sighs> so that they were good through 21 or through their marriages. Like, I had, I had it all done. Prepared for the worst. So that, and he never lost a man. So that I could go out there fully, yep. wow. So it's the samurai notion of, of meditate on a thousand ways to die so that you're not distracted on the battlefield. Yeah. Right, and so, so that notion, we are, we are terrified of death, Right. We punch ourselves full of plastic surgery, dyes and fillers, right, to the point of creating caricatures of youth and beauty mm-hmm. in ways that you just, you know, that, that are heartbreaking. You're like, gosh, just allow yourself to be an elder, mm. you know, allow yourself to to have the dignity and the appreciation and the respect we we ship our grandparents off to nursing homes to be cared for by um, anonymous hourly wage workers and pump full of drugs so they don't make a fuss. You know, we, 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 we are obsessed with youth and beauty and all of the things, but, but don't acquaint ourselves with our mortality, and it's, mm. and it's that contrast that actually gives us back our dignity. You know, it's sort of like our, our humanity feels like it's at the intersection of our mortality and our divinity. Say it again. It, our humanity lies at the intersection of our mortality and our divinity. Mm. And when we can balance those two dialectics, right, then we have a chance to be, you know, what you could sort of call a homegrown human. Like, I'm no longer trying to get off this ride. I'm no longer trying to transcend it. I'm not looking for my next sound bath or cacao ceremony or medicine ceremony. I'm not hop, bopping around to catch the next big thing, nor am I collapsed in despair. I'm, I'm, it's much more like Jimmy Stewart in A Wonderful Life, right? It's, it's that moment of like, oh, holy, shit. I am blessed with Mm. the opportunity to live out the rest of my precious life with full agency, completely committed Mm. and fearless.
0: My friend, thank you so much for being here, for listening to this episode. If you thought this was as insightful as I did, then watch out because part two is coming soon and you're going to want to make sure you get access to this the moment it drops. So if it's your first time here, welcome. Click the subscribe button on Apple podcast right now or on Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts. And if you enjoyed this first episode, this first part, please leave us a rating and review of the part you enjoyed the most about this. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And also, if you want inspirational messages Messages sent to your phone every single week from me, some motivation, inspiration, and other goodies as well. Then text the word podcast right now to 614-350-3960. And I want to leave you with this quote from Deepak Chopra who said, When you make a choice, you change the future. And today you have an opportunity to choose. Choose a new thought, a new idea a new action towards a greater life for yourself you get to choose every moment you have that choice i'm so grateful that you chose to be here today i hope you gained value today please come back for part two because it will blow your mind and if no one has told you lately i want to remind you that you are loved you are worthy and you matter and you know what time it is it's time to go out there and do something great